guys, welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. And on this episode, we are joined by um, Twitter impresario, uh, novelist, short story writer, and um, all-around uh, alien being, Sarah Gailey. Hello! I'm on your podcast. Yeah, you are. Um, how's it going? Super great. Yeah. Uh, I am having a really good day. I was on an airplane where nobody tried to make conversation with me. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. Um, and now I get to be on the best podcast in the world. Mm. Yeah, in the world. In the in, I don't I don't know about that. What I didn't felicity ask that no one talked to you on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I was so happy the flight attendants came by and were like, you know, would you like a beverage? But they didn't actually say it. They just looked at me and raised their eyebrows, and I said, Diet Coke, and they nodded, and then I said, No ice, and they nodded again, and they handed it to me, and they left, and I got to feel like the specter that haunts the airplane. Mm-hmm. Like you were like an Edwardian widow sort of Yeah, exactly. Out. I wasn't even wearing my veiled hat, and it still worked out that way. I thought you had so it on your so like you're saying you times. were the pretty thing on Delta? I mean, pretty is a stretch, but... <laughs> I would say that. You, you, are the sleep, you are the sleepy thing that lives in this plane. Yeah, I was the sleepy thing that lives on this plane. Oh yeah, also, uh, fair warning, I am running on now two days of no sleep, so I'm a lunatic. <laughs> <laughs> so your, your, your equilibrium is shot, and we've made you watch horror movies. Yeah. Um, so the first question we like to ask new guests, uh, what's your background in horror? So I um, really love horror, but I primarily engage with literary horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. I write it. Um, I especially love body horror mm-hmm. and like slow burn, like atmospheric horror, which made uh, this week's watching real good. Oh, and like a very gay, campy horror about greasy boys who live on a beach. Um, so like this <laughs> Those was greasy beach boys. Yeah. So this was kind of a perfect week for me. Um, I have not watched a ton of horror for a lot of reasons that are boring, so I'm not going to say them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this week, watching the, the the motion pictures for this podcast was a real experience for me because, like, oh God, how do I... I want to frame this intelligently. Horror movies are scary <laughs> to watch. Mm. When you I've watch, when you watch them, they are scary. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, I live by myself, and like a fucking idiot, I watched the scarier of the two movies this week uh, when I was alone <laughs> at night. I was like, oh, it's late at night, and there's kind of like a like a weird summer storm outside. You know what I should do is watch this fucking terrifying movie. Mm-hmm. And I was working on some embroidery and just sweating profusely the entire time. Yeah, you're just, yeah, full of veins, full of sweat. Yeah, I am full of veins. How'd you know? Yeah, uh, you're just the educated guess. I mean, oh. well, and, and with horror movies, um, I, I feel like that's an underrated aspect of horror movies that, like, I, again, I, the way a genre is presented has so much to do with how people... Because, like, again, you can read horror See, and you're fine. Like, you I can mean, write I'm not horror. fine, but, like, it's a different... It's, I don't sweat profusely when I read horror. Mm-hmm. I just kind of, like, for days have lingering dread and nightmares. I see. Yeah. That's better. See, it's the opposite for me because we've watched some very ghoulish stuff on mm-hmm. the show, and that doesn't bother me. But when I read, you know, Laird Baron, it, like, becomes obtrusive thoughts. It mm-hmm. won't go away for months. It becomes part of you. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, when I was talking to Ryan about being on this show, they asked me what horror movie that I have watched, uh, which is a lot like when you ask someone what their favorite book is, and it's immediately like, oh, I've never read a book before in my life. <laughs> right. And I was, I was like, okay, well, what, what horror movies have I watched? I've watched Jaws. I've watched Pan's Labyrinth. I watched, I believe what I said is I watched the one, you know, that one where the teenagers get murdered. And that took a little narrowing <laughs> down. I was like, yes, I, I, I recall this one where the, the sexy teens get murdered. And I said, you know, um, I, one of the few horror movies I have watched that I know for sure that I've seen is uh, The Human Centipede. Which... I love that that's the one you've seen, is the human centipede. And the thing is, going in... I haven't seen that oh, it's boring. You should not see it. Going into it, no one told me anything about it. I was with, like, a group of friends, and they were like, we're gonna watch Human Centipede. And I was like, what's that? And they were like, oh, we're gonna watch it. And... Tara, those are not your friends. Get out yeah. of the house. <laughs> they don't want the things for you. I, like... I was like, okay, you guys get it set up or whatever. I'm gonna run out and grab beer, and I went to the the grocery store across the street and I grabbed some beer and when I came back they had it set up and they had played it just to like pass the opening credits so there was no context clues for me at fucking all mm -hmm. and I just I experienced that entire thing and I I have to live in this world now <laughs> you have to live in a world where the human centipede exists and just like make peace yeah. with that yep yeah yeah and uh, I was like, hey, what if the movies that I watch for this podcast are not, like, that? Yeah, well, and, like, my beef with The Human Centipede is mostly that it's boring. Mm -hmm. They found a way to make sewing people's mouths onto assholes boring, and I it's, think that's the most unforgivable part. It's very dull, because it's like, all right, you did it. <laughs> Look at that. You, you got, a, you got a, a human centipede. That's gross. Also, that's not a centipede. What if we did it? Nope, we how did many, it. How many the fuck legs does a centipede have, Ryan? I would say lots. I would... Is it more than six? Probably. Then that guy did not make a human centipede. That title is inaccurate, and human I want insect. it retracted immediately. So that's like a human grasshopper. That's a made. human ant. He made Ant-Man. So... That's, that's actually, it's the uncredited sequel of Ant-Man. <laughs> is, yeah. Yeah, yes. Um... So, Quincy, what ghoul shit have you been consuming on this week? I have, this week, dived headfirst into public domain gothic novels. Oh. That fits, in, that, that, so that fits in nicely. So, I've been reading, uh, lot, thankful, thankfully, uh, to Project Gutenberg and the Kindle uh, store for the $0 ebooks. I've been reading Lafcadio Hearns in Ghostly Japan. Oh, shit. Which is uh, Quiden, like uh, Japanese ghost stories about like this young Buddhist student is climbing a mountain and keeps noticing all the skulls mm -hmm. uh, that he's climbing. And then once he gets to the top of the mountain, his Bodhisattva said, actually, this mountain is just a mountain of bones from all of your previous incarnations. Yo! The mountain is made of you. No, no! And now you're on the top of the mountain. Oh, you're Whoa. A, you're a prolific boy. This is a staircase of your own corpses. Damn. Yeah, and, and also, like, here's a haunted dress that kills every woman who wears it. <laughs> sure. One of them is pretty high concept, and then they got to, like, deathbed, basically, where they're like, it's a bed that eats people. Look, like, that's, like, the minimalist And then closet. there's also, like, nonfiction. <laughs> yeah. 
point is the minimalist closet you have your little black dress mm-hmm. uh you have your dress that you can pair with a blazer for work or take the blazer off so you know you like day to evening mm-hmm. and then you have your dress that kills everyone and then wears it yeah and yeah. i think it's it's those essential <laughs> items as you go into adulthood that you yeah and like you can pair it with like a cardigan or a belt and it looks different yeah 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 it makes sense um and I've also been reading uh, Nathaniel Hawthorne short stories. Brave which, man. Why don't we talk about how Hawthorne is a better short story writer than a novelist? Yeah, Hawthorne, I resent him because I had to read him for my American Lit class in college. And uh, I resented him, but then also I feel like I respect him because he seems like somebody who would avoid eye contact with me at the bar. And I value that very much. It's like when you're on an airplane, yeah. It's exactly like when you're on an airplane. Mm-hmm. But, like, the birthmark owns fucking bone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Because gosh, literally birthmark. everyone says, hey, uh, Elmer, you're doing a bad thing. And he's like, haha, no, but really, I can remove this birthmark from my wife. And his lab assistant's like, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> and then he's surprised that she dies. I can't believe that removing that birthmark killed her. And then, well, there's egg on your face. So, yeah. I mean, if... If this uh, if this dynamic is surprising to you, I would ask you: Have you ever met men before? <laughs> <laughs> they are they are just terrible. Cause that I'm just you know I'm just not I'm just not shocked that he did it. No, not so much. And yeah, then... it's like negging before negging was a thing. You're the most beautiful <laughs> woman I've ever met, except for that birthmark, which makes you a total two. You know, you get some oh, laser God. surgery, and now we're talking. That's... This reminds me of my favorite worst thing that someone has ever said to me, mm-hmm. which is I was on a date. Um, it was a first date. It was also a last date. Um, and the guy told me that I'm a six with opinions, but I could be a low seven if I learned to keep my mouth shut. And his lab assistant was like, maybe you shouldn't say that. And he was like, no, I'm going to say it. And all the townspeople were like, maybe you shouldn't say that. And he was like, no, I'm going to say it. There was like a great chorus. When I got up and left from the date, he was really surprised. (laughs) Literally everybody around him going, you sure you want to go with that, bud? That's that's your opening salvo? He asked the audience, he phoned a friend, and he ignored both of them. Yeah, and that's, I mean, the hero's journey. You know, he Mm -hmm. tried a thing, didn't work. Mm -hmm. Um... So the ghoul shit that I've... It's not exactly ghoul shit, but this week I have been reading a fuckload of Dragon Age Inquisition fanfic. Um, mostly because... Uh, so it... Here's here's the thing, all right, motherfuckers. Uh, there's a character... For those of you who may not know, in Dragon Age Inquisition, there is a character named Varric Tethris, who is a dwarf with chest hair and a gravelly voice... And he writes noir novels. And his name is Ryan Boyd. Th- that's irrelevant. No, that's <laughs> this is literally just my self-insert fanfic where I'm like, yeah, he's a cool dwarf named Varric Tethris. Um, and I've just been reading the shit out of that mostly because I, um, I don't know, I, I'm realizing there's such a lack of good horror movie fanfic out there because I think a lot of the people who are drawn to write horror movie fanfic, um, a lot of them are very bad bad at writing and bad at being people um and so i was gonna say they just make horror movies <laughs> yeah their name is rob zombie and then they <laughs> and then they make fanfic about their own films where um they they just you know three from hell and it's the characters that were supposed to die which by the way can we talk about three from hell for a moment please i am so annoyed so wait sarah are you familiar with three from hell of course i am but for the listeners at home <laughs> maybe you should talk about it some it some more 
Because they might not. Know. Right, right. But for, you for, know, I know all about it. No, I know, yeah. I don't know. You're, about you're, it. you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a zombie head. You're a real Whoa, Rob Zombie. I love that Robert Zombie. <laughs> Robert Zombert, <laughs> as my friend Elby calls him. So he, uh, so he made this movie back in the day called House of a Thousand Corpses, and it was very bad and had um, so many corpses. It's so it's too many. And how then, do you, how do you have room to let? Well, the furniture you, it's the house. occupy the space. You, it's it's the house of a thousand corpses. So maybe they're not necessarily in it, but they they uh, are in it and they own it. Maybe these are some excuses. Uh, that's true. All right, I should. I Robert Zombert needs to work on that. <laughs> Damn you, <laughs> Robert Zombert. Um, and so then he made the sequel to it called The Devil's Rejects, which was which was basically the same movie but in the desert and had an outro where they die to Freebird by Leonard Skinner. Um, it's the only way to go. It's the only way to go. And now he's suddenly making a third installment in this thing with the same characters that were supposed to have died at the Studio end of... Studio apartment of ten corpses. <laughs> the sh- yeah, sh- shack of a handful of corpses. Um, and so I... I don't know. Like, uh, we were talking with our buddy Adam on Twitter about it, and he's like, oh, you should have faith that Zombie's gonna do something really cool with it. And I'm like, Adam, I saw the movie 31. I have no faith that Rob Zombie is doing anything good now. But um, do you think it will have Sherry Moon's ass crack in it? It will mostly. Rob Zombie's movies are a Sherry Moon ass crack vehicle that finds a way to shoehorn a plot in around his wife's ass crack. I'm glad that you didn't say that it finds a way to shoehorn in an ass crack. <laughs> right. Because that's a different kind of sentence. But I'm also upset that you didn't say that. I should have. Because it's a different kind of sentence. This is a real emotional journey that I'm going on. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to thank you for, for being a part of it. Um, so let's dive into our first. So the first movie we're going to be doing. Thou uh, shalt not fall, <laughs> little sister. Thou shalt my not kill. Hey, Michael. Okay. So um, the the most important thing about 1988's The Lost Boys, directed by Joel Schumacher, there is so much Michael. It's being said in this movie. Michael. 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 Somebody did a supercut um, of every time somebody says the word Michael in The Lost Boys, and it totaled, like, what, 140? Which means... Not enough. Yeah, not enough. We need more Michael. Um, so, Sarah, you had never seen The Lost Boys. I had never seen The Lost Boys. This was my first time watching The Lost Boys. Um, I did not know... It's one of those things where, like, okay, so when I was writing... I wrote this book that has a prominent scene where people are playing uh, gambling cards in it. Mm -hmm. And I realized after I wrote it, they don't know much about gambling cards because my editor contacted me and was like, Sarah, what the fuck game are these guys playing? And I was like, oh, it's poker, I guess. And he was like, "How how do you think poker goes? And I was like, oh, you know, you get the cards and you look at the cards and uh, and, then somebody puts cards down. And he was like, you need to write this... You're not wrong. He was like, you need to write this scene like you know anything about anything. But I thought that I knew. Mm-hmm. And that's how it was with The Lost Boys. Um, Ryan, <laughs> going in, we watched it together, and uh, going in, Ryan asked me what I knew about The Lost Boys, and I said, I'm I'm like 90% sure Christian Slater's in it. <laughs> right. And I think they're greasy, and I think one of them has a coat. Two for three. I'm still not sure Christian Slater was not in this movie. He might have been in this yeah, movie. It, at least, like, in spirit. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was probably in a version where, like, they, they cut some scenes. Um, so, yes, yeah, uh, this was my first watch. I was very pleased. I had a lot of questions. All of them valid. 
Um, so many questions. And the primary one is where can I get those saxophone man pants? <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, Quincy, I want to bless you for in the show notes that we're all looking at right now. You attached a gif of uh, uh, saxophonist Tim Capello. Capello? Uh, swinging those hips and playing that saxophone with his curly mullet. Look at his greased up lats. He's so buttery. He is so slippery. He's a slippery boy. He's he's been he was basted before this performance. So um, the thing that I feel like goes unignored in the beauty that is the saxman is his chain necklace and pants danglies, which is the technical yeah, term. Yeah, pants danglies. I th- I really admire For his hip flexibility. Like, a lot of gentlemen don't spend enough time uh, making sure that their hips and pelvis mm-hmm. have the flexibility necessary to make their belt danglies really jangle around their swangle. And he is <laughs> he is on top of that shit. He, this is some athletic saxophoning. Do you think... So now I'm picturing him in front of a bedroom mirror practicing his hip swivel. Absolutely. That's dedication to craft, okay? If you think that yeah. Beyonce doesn't practice in front of a mirror, oh. then you are a liar, and this guy is the Beyonce of greased-up saxophonery. <laughs> that's, I, that's, I, he, he needs to get business cards made with that. Like, listen, I didn't come here to make friends. Yeah. Uh, I came here to say that I still believe, mm-hmm. and I have a butt. Mm-hmm. And he does those things. Um, does he have a butt? Uh, I don't think we ever see, which is surprising for a Joel Schumacher film. He would, has a crotch. He certainly does. We see a lot of that because this movie is heterosexual, and you know what the heteros like is greased up saxophonist crotch covered in chains. And posters of sexy Rob Lowe in a midriff jersey pulling his shirt up. Yeah, Look, what's I know up with what that? Like. <laughs> Okay, so this is the gayest film of the 80s. Um, well, no, okay, okay, okay. That's a pretty that's um, that counterpoint. Is, that is bold. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, Nightmare 2, which we still have not done on this podcast and need to. It's going to be number one, and I'm going to take the podcast hostage while screaming the gay one is the best one. Um, I'm going to rally that if you ever allow me to come back on this podcast, you save that film for when I come back because I have been hearing a lot of promises that this is going to be the gayest movie I've ever seen. If anything, I've, I, fe- I feel that we've undersold it. And I watched Batman and Robin. He is so... He knows what the straight boys do. Yep. So, um, in going into the, the, the transcendent queerness of The Lost Boys, uh, so, uh, for those of... For those listeners who may not have seen this, uh, this cult classic, um, it's about some rude boys out in Santa Carla and their vampires and a young boy who looks basically like Jim Morrison moves there with his insufferable brother and cool mom and he meets a sexy lady down at what may or may not be Coney Island and she's like oh Michael and he's like Michael and she's like Michael and she goes and he goes with her and her ruffian vampire buddies to a cave and they trick him into eating worms and then it was all a fun goof. And then they're like, here, drink this bottle of blood. And he's like, haha, this is, sure, it's blood. And he thinks it's wine and it's really blood. And anyway, he's a vampire now. So then he needs to figure out how to not be a vampire. And also his mom needs to get laid. Um, she needs to get laid so bad. And she gets cock-blocked by her sons nonstop. Constantly. Um, I would also like to add to your excellent synopsis, Ryan, mm-hmm. that uh, Kiefer Sutherland is in this movie and i i'm an adult i ha- i've seen the world sure i have lived a, a storied life i didn't know that i needed to have a sexual awakening 
Mm -hmm. And then I saw Kiefer Sutherland and the Lost Boys, and it turns out I have been a virgin this whole time. Yeah. Yeah. What you thought was a sexual awakening before? Yeah. Wasn't. I was still sexually, uh, like, not asleep, but, like, half asleep, and you're having, like, hypnagogic hallucinations. Right. Like that, like, when your head is kind of, like, jerking around a little bit, because you, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was me sexually before this picture. Now I have seen this movie, and I have seen the light, and I know... Uh, what I am looking for in a sexual partner, and it is uh, Michael bleach blonde mullet and a sneer that is really a good reference to Bowie. I, whoa, shit! Mm -hmm. That's an excellent point. So we can all agree that David and Michael are the top vampires. Who's your favorite um, secondary or tertiary <laughs> tier vampire? In this movie? How did you not just say bottom vampire? Junior, junior varsity vampire. Clearly, there are the top. There's vampires who are top vampires, and there's <laughs> bottom. Okay, I'm just gonna put it on the line right now. Alex Winter is a power bottom. Absolutely, he's. You know, I think he's a brat. Yeah. 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 He's, a, he's a bratty bottom. He's going to let you know how he feels, but, mm -hmm. you know, he wants you to... Yeah, absolutely. Did he have lines in this movie? Because he... I don't think he did, but his... I feel like he, he had lines in my heart. Um, He had the line where he was screaming after Corey Feldman murdered him in a cave. That and is he, a line. He also yelled Michael a lot when they were dangling from a train track. I, I feel like he was the vampire equivalent of the kid in uh, Karate Kid who yells, <laughs> Put him in a body bag! <laughs> And it was um, Alex Winter. And then, like, five seconds later, it was like, b -b 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 Coach, that's cheating! <laughs> like, I feel like that's Alex Winter's in this movie, and I'm here for it. So, uh, my uh, my favorite junior varsity vampire in this movie, uh, I feel like it's the guy who says, um, he, uh, it's the, the hairy lad when they're in the bathroom and the frog brothers are trying to own him with a bathtub full of holy water and garlic, mm -hmm. and... Oh, no, excuse me. This is a different guy. This is the guy who was standing in front of the home entertainment system, and Corey Feldman fires an arrow oh, at yeah. him, and he, and he goes, You missed, sucker! And then Corey Feldman's like, Only once, pal! And then gets the worst line in the movie of, like, Death by stereo. When he fucking nails the guy to the uh, speakers. You know, that's a terrible line, but he delivered the hell out of it. Well, that's because he's insufferable in this film. You know. He is. Okay, so we need to talk about Corey Haim, generally. But... Yeah. Okay, um, okay. so Corey Feldman is Baby Rambo, and Corey Haim is the soft butch? Yep, you, okay. yes, he's the soft right. butch, yeah. Okay. Uh, mm -hmm. Corey Feldman does not want you to reach out to him on Twitter about being Donatello. <laughs> he was, hold the phone, hang on, he was Donatello? Corey Feldman voiced Donatello. Donatello is the only Ninja Turtle with nipples. Yeah. And they're pierced. Yeah. They're absolutely pierced. Holy yeah. shit, so, no wonder he's So ashamed. I was trying to, a little bit of backstory and um, a little bit of a Twitter shout out for this week. I was trying to leverage Nickelodeon into replacing the Donatello figure I ran over with the lawnmower this week. Um, no. Legit. My Very son legit. left his toys in the yard and I uh, thrashed the shit out of it. So, you brutally murdered his favorite toy. Yeah, so I assembled the council of cross-time Donatellos, meaning I tagged every single actor that has ever played Donatello in a single tweet and said, Nickelodeon, fix this. Yeah. Um, did it, wait, did it work? No, it did not. <laughs> uh, especially it because Corey Feldman was like, yeah, no thanks. Um, <laughs> Corey Feldman's not, he doesn't have, his life is busy disintegrating. Now, he doesn't have time to replace her. I life. do want to say, um, my 
Twitter followers that I have met through this show, I am taken aback by how generous and kind uh, y'all are, and like we don't even know each other. Like how many people mm-hmm. were like, actually, here's an uh, eBay listing for that exact toy, or I'm going to the swap meet, I'll pick one up for you, or um, brainstorming other solutions to this problem. So. Like, Hats I, off I guess to all of our listeners, and uh, Nickelodeon can, um, they need well, to I be guess... better with their customer service. <laughs> I guess Give Christmas isn't, stuff, isn't canceled this year. We can, you can actually tell your son, like, hey, the internet got you this toy. I have failed you, but the internet has gotten, gotten you this toy. This is so wholesome. I know. Yeah. So, speaking of not wholesome, um, Corey Feldman's t-shirt in this movie says, why waltz when you can rock and roll with a picture of an M16 on it. Oh, I was with it right up until the M16. Which, like, in 1986, 87 is a little endearing, but uh, 30 years later is just not a good look anymore. Falls apart. The harsh light of 2018. It's got a lot of casualties, and one of those is Corey Feldman's gimmick t-shirt. Also, I'm gonna just throw this out there. Uh, you can you can waltz and you can rock and roll. You can be as bisexual as Corey Haim. (laughs) In this film. Yeah. You don't you don't have to pick. Right. Which also, I love that Corey Haim and uh, other Frog Brother, whose name is definitely a name, uh, They, I love, uh, so I fell down a Lost Boys hole and was like reading interviews. Ooh, and, that's not a turn of phrase we want to <laughs> <laughs> go with. What Listen, I explored, again. here's the thing, I explored a Lost Boys hole. You you I, you went deep into a Lost Boys I really probed. Hole. I really, yeah. I, I did a deep dive. You yeah. got lost, I, boy. <laughs> <laughs> you got lost, boy. So I hate this. Yeah, that's fair. Everything about it. I understand. Um, but so uh, I love that in an interview, Joel Schumacher um, talked about the fact that when he was talking to the actors who play the Frog Brothers, he was like, I need you to, you know, can you butch it up a little? You literally said butch it up a little. They're so butch. They're, they're the butchest boys. They're oh, so... They're trying so hard. Mm-hmm. They are all... Why are their voices so deep? Also, how old are the young lads oh. in this picture they are anywhere between five and 32 like you've got co- the the soft butch cory sure taking like a bubble bath incorrectly that's not how anybody <laughs> takes a bath he's a lonely boy i have taken baths before in my time i know how they work and it's not like that also i thought he was like 14 i'm like oh he should be masturbating this entire time <laughs> why is he like singing to oldies. <laughs> Why can't you just masturbate like a normal teenager? Yeah. This is perverse. Also, His mom comes home, anyone... damn it, son. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about, <laughs> stop singing about how you're a lonely boy. I mean, he is a lonely boy, and probably because he borrows his divorcee mother's clothes 90% of the time. His wardrobe in this film is an active crime scene. <laughs> He's got some shirts. He, dude, he... he uh, I believe they're called blouses. <laughs> <laughs> or possibly Moomoo's. He, the fact that he wasn't wearing a romper for this film, maybe were, were rompers not invented yet and he didn't have the chance? I think that's probably a cut scene, one of the ones where he's talking to Christian Slater about, you know, his changing body. Yeah. And, oh. <laughs> as, as we all did with Christian Slater. I keep on getting this urge to sing oldies in the tub while I over-shampoo my hair and direct the suds into my eyeballs before, for some reason, dunking my entire body into the water, and Christian Slater is like, that's a part of growing up. <laughs> yeah, we've all been there. That's, yeah. that's fair. And that's the scene where he wore the flowered romper. 
That makes sense. Yeah, the Taika Waititi flowered romper. Mm -hmm. Um, So this movie, first of all, we have to talk about fucking Edward Herman, um, Papa Gilmore, you know? He's, um, they've got the weirdest nebulous, like, vampire logic in this thing, where, okay, so for those of you, um, I'm, I'm gonna spoil the movie, but honestly, if you haven't seen The Lost Boys yet, and it's 2018, you've, you've brought okay, this on yourself. here's what I'm gonna say before you spoil this movie. Um, uh-huh. don't, because literally oh. Sarah had never seen it, and I watched it this week with Emily, who'd just seen it for the first time. It's also on Netflix right now, so yes. yeah. how about oh. this one time leaving a little bit of joy and mystery in the universe? <laughs> I don't know. That's a good, yeah, that's I kind of really wanted to let Ryan try to dunk on me. Oh, I wasn't going to, no, So no. that um, I could direct a... Because we're we're in the same room right now, so that I could direct a gaze of pure spite mm-hmm. at them. Um, but it, I can direct a gaze of pure spite at them anytime. I mean, that's generally what that's that's the the basis of our relationship at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Spiteful glares. All right, so I won't spoil what the thing is that happens at the end of it. But what I will say is that I love this movie very much. There, there is no logic to it. Like in terms oh, of no. like vampire movies have rules, and no one knows the rules for the entire movie. Yeah, and there's, like, a, a troubleshooting scene in this film where they're like, wait, does this thing work on vampires? And they just, you can, and, and here's the thing. Um, many years ago, um, so as was uh, the style at the time in, in 2008, I remember, um, you know, uh, my, my buddy Marty, uh, I was, we were talking about um, the, the, the Twilight books, and I, I was not very high on it at the time, and was whining um, like a jerk about Twilight, and was like, yeah, but, like, you, oh, you know, were such a clever Muppet baby. Oh, I was the cleverest Muppet baby. And, of course, I was like, but, you know, vampires burst into flames if you step outside and you're a vampire. And oh, then, that was how, do, how you talked back that's then. That's exactly yeah. how I talked back then. And Marty just sort of glared at me beardily and then in silence. And then I was like, I, I mean, I, I know I know vampires aren't, aren't real and that's not real. And you can make up whatever bullshit you want. But it's the principle. Of the, I, I already lost. I'd already lost it. So the thing about this movie and Vampire Logic, though, is that um, the 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 Butch Corey right. uh, says outright, Every vampire is different. Some of them explode. Some of them implode. They're all different from each other. So that, you that was an outstanding Butch Thank Corey. You. Thank, Thank you. you. I've been uh, I've been working on it. It's my it's my next Halloween costume. So mm-hmm. I want to. You know, really serve the character. Mm-hmm. I understand. Um, I'm very method about it, so I've been wearing a lot of low bandanas. Um, Why dance when there's... you can rock and roll? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I've often said so. Um, there's no. You don't need to have vampire logic because all the vampires are different, and also, like, you know, they're all so greasy that vampire rules just slide right off. Ah, of them. like a Philly cheesesteak. Did you notice that when vampires die, they're filled with glitter? Yes! Um, at one point when the Frog Brothers are leaving the cave after murdering Bill Preston Esquire, and they're getting back into the car, one of their berets is fucking covered in glitter. It's such a good look. I'm it, for it. it. This film is transcendently gay. And, and so also with transcendently gay. Um, so Michael, uh, the Jim Morrison... Michael! Michael, um, Michael has, ostensibly has a romance with a lady <laughs> character in this movie named Star... Is that her name? That apparently is her name. It's I Star. I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, the little kid's name is Laddie. Laddie. Yeah, which is a lot. That's a lot. 
That's a whole lot. He's going to someday be an adult man named Laddie. I mean, you know, it's like there's a grown man named Scooter Libby. Like, you're choosing to be Scooter. Wow. Laddie. That's a deep cut. Yeah. I Listen, I'm, I'm coming for right. Scooter Libby. Wait, so we're going to talk about his beard, Michael's beard. Oh, Michael's beard, yeah. So Star, um, I think, so I had to um, look at the Wikipedia article to figure out what the fuck the idea was with Star. Like, whether she's a vampire. She never gets, like, full vamp face or does cool vampire stuff. And is basically that's because she's a girl. She's a sexy lamp. Like she has yeah. nothing to do in this movie. Um, but she she's good hair. Apparently, she was half vampire, like Michael, after he slugged down the blood that was not wine and was actually blood. And the intended thing was that she was supposed to kill Michael, which was supposed to be her first. And like once you make your first kill, you're fully a vampire. The movie could not give less of a wet fuck about this relationship. Every moment that they have on screen together, I love, by the way, I love Joel Schumacher's impersonation of what heterosexuality looks like, <laughs> where it's just like them in a room and they're like, oh, I've got eyes. And then they kiss and there's like a Skinamax montage of billowing satin curtains. And... Okay, well, hang on. What heterosexuality looks like uh -huh. is you go to a concert where there's a greased up saxophone boy on stage. Right. And then you stare at each other from across the concert venue for like 90 minutes mm -hmm. and then chase each other around and then get into a motorcycle race. Right. I'm but sorry, if you have never been in a heterosexual relationship before, that's what it's like. And I think that you need to appreciate uh, the heterosexual experience. So wait, which which one is the Butch Corey and which one is the Femme Corey? So Femme Corey is Corey Haim, Butch Corey is Corey Feldman. Right. Um, so Butch yeah. Corey is nipply Ninja Turtle. So, yes, yeah, yeah. So clearly, so is Michael the Butch Corey in this relationship? Like, I don't know how straight couples work. Like, which um, of you is the... Yeah, no, so that's the two genders, is Corey Haim and Corey Feldman. Right. And I think that Michael is definitely the Corey Haim, because, and here's why I think that. I think that because he zips his leather jacket up all the way. Right. Which is very butch. If you're femme, you're going to unzip your jacket partway. You're going to show a little bit of cleavage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I wish that Michael had shown a little more cleavage in this movie. I'm, I'm inclined to agree. He should have... Dude, Michael should have been 200% more shirtless in mm -hmm. this film than Preach. he was. Preach. Okay, so a couple of things. Mm -hmm. uh, one, <laughs> we, you've already mentioned Michael looks like Jim Morrison. In the vampire lair, there is a wall-sized poster of Jim Morrison. Oh, yes. Is uh, Ryan, would you the like honeypot to... for David to get his sexual fantasy in this movie? Oh. A of all, yes. <laughs> um, also, Ryan, would you like to share the idiotic fucking thing that I said when we saw the vampire lair with the poster of Jim Morrison? Uh, I don't recall. Uh, could you? Uh, uh, what I said was, is that Steven Tyler? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, if you're a long-haired, scuzzy rock and roller, all of you are like potentially Look, Steven just, Tyler. He has a large mouth, and I was like, I could picture that man singing uh, vocals to go on a motion picture where his daughter has been shoehorned into a plot line and is fucking Ben Affleck. Like, that's what I thought. That's oddly specific for that face. You look at that face and you see yeah. all that? Yeah, well, because, you know, he doesn't want to miss a thing. That That's that's an excellent point. He doesn't want to, yeah. Let's, let's not forget Steven Tyler is in this movie because those punks are slam dancing to um, run DMC yeah, on the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Which yes. also, Sarah was like, yeah, this is, when they were all getting massacred, Sarah was like, yeah, that's also how I feel when I hear walk this way. <laughs> um, but, like, so, the relationship between Star and Michael, um, I feel like 
it's Top Gun levels of these two people have never had less chemistry. Both of these actors are gay, I'm convinced, without Googling it. Um, and the real emotional arc of this film and the real romantic relationship that actually matters is David and Michael. Yes, obviously. Obviously. There's no question. Like, that's when not even first, me navel-gazing. When they first see each other, you can tell that David wants to just just gently bite Michael's lower lip. Mm-hmm. Just, just a L- little, 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 little ang. And he, uh, because he's being heterosexual, he expresses that by saying, "Let's have a motorcycle race." Right. And so that was the two of them. I mean, it's like with professional wrestling. What was that, um, Christina? What, who, who had that quote where it was like, "You've invented um, elaborate rituals to allow you to touch the bodies of other men." Oh, Barbara Kruger. Barbara Kruger. Thank you. Um, and yeah, like Michael, um, Michael and David, uh, Kiefer Sutherland in this movie is. Uh, I love being made aware of how many people I've talked to that had a sexual awakening as kids while watching David and Lost Boys because he's so, like, mysterious, and there's a scene where he cries because he gets lit on fire by the sun, and he Legit. wears a coat, and it's really cool. All right, so, but, uh, the, so, I feel like you are, you are sassing a very serious issue, which is that there are so few sexy bleach blonde mullets mm. in cinema in general, and particularly on Kiefer Sutherland in cinema. I, uh, I actually, um, not to plug a cause, but I run a nonprofit that is dedicated to uh, making sure that we see more bleach blonde mullets on Kiefer Sutherland wearing leather jackets and necklaces in the cinema. Good. Um, mm-hmm. It's important, and I don't appreciate you taking it so lightly. You're right. I'm sorry. I, I, I should I should treat this with more more gravity. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to bring us down like that. Oh no. I, I understand. It's sometimes you need. Listen. I'm I'm, I'm doing a goof about Kiefer Sutherland's toilet brush haircut. Like people, I I personally, this is a a, a personal story about my past. Mm-hmm. I suffered for a long time from not. Having seen Kiefer Sutherland with a bleach blonde mullet, oh. wearing a leather jacket, and saying "Michael, <laughs> Michael," and it, you know, my life was—I <laughs> didn't have that. Yeah. In my world, and I didn't know what what the world could be like. Right, so. and now and now you know, and and you know, with time there can be closure. Yeah, healing is what I'm hoping yeah. for. There's no such thing as closure mm-hmm. from a, a life that's lived that way. Mm-hmm. But I just hope for for a better tomorrow. Yeah, for I me and for Michael. <laughs> and for Michael. Um, so where do you want to put this movie on our list? Oh boy, number that... <laughs> absolute one. Number complete one. Um. All right. All right. All right. Is all right, it all right. the best vampire movie? E- Okay, is it better than Dracula, Quincy? Um, it doesn't have armadillos in it. <laughs> it doesn't have armadillos, and also that scene where they're coming to America on the boat, and Renfield is in the cargo hold, and he's talking to Dracula, and Renfield is like, "Yeah, Dracula, I, I'm, I'm your, I'm your guy. I'll go, I'll follow you anywhere. I'm here forever, man." And Dracula, Bela Lugosi, literally just is silent and quietly looks away into the middle distance and then they cut. Like, yeah, yeah, it also doesn't have yeah. the guy saying, Borgo Pass! The Borgo Pass. Castle um, Dracula? <laughs> the Castle Dracula? You're going to that castle? <laughs> um, it's, God, what, uh, Stone Yeah, it's not classic. as good as Dracula, Oh, no, 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 listen, it, I mean, if it's a death match between Todd Browning and Joel Schumacher, it grades me to do it, but I feel like I gotta give it to Todd Browning. Um, Man, I didn't think wrestling could get more gay. <laughs> 
it can always get more gay. Um, all right, so here's... Oh, you skipped one. Uh, you're, you're scrolling down the list, and you skipped what we do in the shadows. Oh, I did skip what we do in the uh, shadows. Which I, under I have seen, and which I understand better now, having seen Lost Boys. Right. Because obviously that's why the question comes up of, do you like Baschetti? <laughs> <laughs> And when we were, it, it, it is maggots, Michael. When we were watching Lost Boys, and the the scene came up of it's mag. Oh, do you like eating worms? I was like, oh, is his penis gonna be a cobra next? <laughs> and Kiefer Sutherland in a thick Russian accent is like, hey, how, are, Michael? How was your worms? How do you like having a snake for a penis? See, I actually, I wish that gag had gone on for longer. And they were like, here, eat these Fritos, Michael. And, they, and he's like, these are scabs. And they're like, what? No, they're not. And it just, like, at least 15 more minutes of them goofing on him with snack food. If there's I mean, anything I've learned from being a heterosexual cis man, it's that we're terrible to each other. And that truly would have gone on for months. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you would yeah. have fucked with this dude. Yeah, it's, listen... Learning about I was in a I was in a romantic relationship with a, a heterosexual cis man, mm -hmm. uh, which was wild. Yeah, and getting to observe his interactions with his friends was some of the most batshit insane stuff I've ever encountered in my life. They had an entire years long inside joke of tricking each other into looking at each other's testicles. But and that, they were like, that, hey, that how tracks. do you like this? Yeah. And they were like, hey, how do you like this bird egg, Michael? And they he's like, that's your fucking balls, dude. They would dude. be like, oh, I have, oh, no, I have gum on my pants. Oh, no. And then one of their friends would be like, oh, you have gum on your pants? And would look, and one of the guys just had, like, one ball out of his fly <laughs> a or taste, A tasteful ball flopping out. And that's what, from what I understand, that's what the heterosexual cis men are like. And so I'm so sorry, Quincy, that that happened to you. You know, you okay? we all go through. Are, 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 I'm not going to sit here on this podcast and go, it's really hard being a heterosexual sister. Are, are the hets all right? They are They are not. Hey, Michael, do you want a gumball? I got you this gumball. <laughs> Shut the... God damn it, David. I'm tired of looking Michael, at your balls. Michael, my brain. <laughs> my brain. I mean, and the thing I is have also a bat wing, Michael. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. I, I hate it. All right, so uh, the... The, uh, how do we feel about this compared to what we do in the shadows? Well, there we go. Uh, so I, uh, if, uh, so, um... Dread carefully. Water pistol full of holy water to my head. If I had to pick between what we do in the shadows and Lost Boys, it grieves me to do it because of how much I love Lost Boys, but I feel like I'm giving the edge to what we do in the shadows because it's intentionally funny. Yeah, Lost See, that's Boys cute does not because have a cat with a human face. <laughs> I am wrong. Okay, all right. I feel that I might be wrong, Quincy. Tell me why Lost Boys is better than what we do in the shadows. Because Lost Boys has that whole getting ready montage of we ha we have it's it's a house invasion movie, so it's got that whole like last 20 minutes of we're going to go to the church and fill our squirt guns with holy water and we're going to sharpen stakes and we're going to do all this stuff and you know yeah. we're going to fight the vampires and let's what's yeah. what's smash a 5 pound sack of garlic <laughs> my shirt's got an M16 on and I'm all hopped up on mellow yellow and I'm ready to commit murder also just another quick side note are the frog brothers parents okay the, what parents what babies they don't are they like feral children? No, no, they're no, they're are they? in every scene. They're both sleeping on the, the counter next to the television. Comic store. So, yeah. So they live in the comic shop. 
they're just fucking dead. <laughs> no, they're vampires. They're vampires because it's daytime. Ah, it's daytime. Oh, okay. And the Frog Brothers have got some real emotional issues. And they're on they're on some blade shit where they want to they hate themselves for being vampires. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the only way that they can process this is by wearing a shirt with a gun on it. And... Uh, Lost Boys is a blade prequel. I don't also, know if you guys knew that. It's in the IMDb trivia. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Sarah, there's two sequels made in the past ten years. They I are, almost just just did a spit take at the microphone. Yeah, they they are. Um, don't watch them. They both they're, star Corey Feldman. Yes. Oh. Reprising his dear. role as Edgar Frog. Edgar and Alan Frog, by the way. You know. You know that classic author Edward Alan Frog. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that he he wrote the the Raven. Um. He now. He wrote the Raybans. Yeah. <laughs> the Raybans. Yeah. Thank you. Um, but, alright, so, so, you're giving the edge to Lost Boys. Uh, can you sleep with a clear conscience if you put Pan's Labyrinth uh, below Lost Boys? No, I really can't. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's fair. Can I, I know that I, I'm but a humble guest on this podcast. Please. Um, but I would like to just point out the fact that Lost Boys does not have a cat with a human face in it anywhere and also does not have Taika Waititi climbing out of a backpack <laughs> so, you're right it does yeah That's that was true. something I noticed that was one of the first things I noticed uh-huh. about the movie I was like wow as a, as an auteur uh, I have noticed that Taika Waititi is not climbing out of a backpack god it's really hard. you're making a rock solid argument by bringing <laughs> yeah. that up shit yeah. I think that actually just put what we do in the shadows over Lost Boys yeah, uh, so send your angry takes at at RankinVolcast on Twitter.com. How, how could this happen? Although, uh, if I'm, if I'm going to tell tales out of school and, and talk real spicy for a moment, it does grieve me to put Lost Boys bel- uh, above Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors. Well, then, do you want to put it below Nightmare 3 Dream Warriors? Nightmare no. 3 Dream Warriors also has a get-ready-to-kick-some-shit moment. Oh, it certainly does. Nightmare 3 has people turning into um, Switchblade sisters. Right, and saying, let's go kick that motherfucker's ass all over Dreamland. Um, yeah. le- you know what? Actually, I feel I feel good putting it just below Nightmare 3, but above Predator. Because if we're going with, like, homosocial, um, we stab things because we can't deal with having feelings and also being really gay, uh, I, f- I feel like Lost Boys places above Predator on that, that scale. That is such a mood. It is. It's yeah, and that, that, that puts it in the uh, number 29, so that's pretty good showing. Well, that is respectable as hell, I tell you. We have a very top-heavy t- list. Mm-hmm. 29, which is the true age of uh, the of Laddie. <laughs> and, and, the frog, and the Frog Brothers. Yeah, Laddie, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, um, that child actor was 29 years old when they started <laughs> filming, 58 years old when they finished. Shit, they, yeah. it really took about, you know, these, these child actors, it really takes it out of you. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. It desiccates yeah. you like a, getting stored inside a silica gel. Exactly like yeah. silica gel. Um, so yeah, so coming in at our new number 29 is uh, Joel Schumacher's The Lost Boys. Uh, if you haven't seen this movie yet, I beg you to at least watch up until the sexy sax man swinging them hips and then decide That's if... the sexual awakening right there. Right there. He's the sleeper hit of, of the sexual awakening in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, so yeah, number 29. Uh, so the, the, the next movie we're talking about, which I feel um, terrible about having uh, Sarah watch by themselves in a... Uh, dark apartment is um, it's also on Netflix and it's uh, I am the pretty thing that lives in this house yes it is a Netflix original film 
It's scary. <laughs> it's so scary. That, that movie, that moving picture uh-huh. that I watched with my own two eyes, is so fucking scary. It's a scary movie. Really the whole scary. time, real scary. Yeah. You know what you should not do if you don't want to be scared a lot? Is, is it... watch that goddamn movie. Shit. All right, I'll keep that in mind. It's my so, advice. Shit. This this is what gave me a crisis today uh, beyond sending a um, generally nice person on the internet to a um, swap meet in search of uh, deathmatch wrestling tapes was uh-huh. to also say, have I been desensitized by so much violence because I was bored with the first, like, 45 minutes of this movie and then... Um, I saved myself from the the panic because it clicked. I was like, okay, yeah, this is a good movie. It it is slow burn as hell. It is also, I would say, the best Shirley Jackson novel Shirley Jackson ever wrote. Yes, this yes. is such Shirley Jackson fanfic. Oh, it's great, even down to the title. Yeah, it, it's it like I am the pretty thing that lives in this house. Is literally it hangs out. It lives in a dorm room with We Have Always Lived in the Castle. Um. So I I have seen some criticism of this. A movie on the internet where I go sometimes, uh, mm. saying that exact thing that it's boring, and oh no, I feel like I mean first of all you know because I am apparently a horror film weakling, um, I wasn't bored at all. I I felt terrified on a deep and visceral animal level the entire time, but also I totally get that like it's not doing a lot of splashy exciting shit. Uh, it just is terrifying mm-hmm. right it's not being terrifying it's not doing terrifying it just is like no this is like my identity mom it's not a phase <laughs> i'm gonna like this music forever um and i actually while i was watching it i was like this is terrifying for me i want to die i hate all of this uh i hate the fact that my couch is not pressed up against the wall so i'm like facing back to the room and mm-hmm. something's definitely gonna come back and grab me mm-hmm. and i also am mad that uh, Ryan is not available to be on the phone with me while I turn off the lights in my apartment so that I make sure I don't die. Um, but I was thinking, like, these, uh, these horror people who I'm watching this thing for are probably not gonna be as stimulated by this as I am. Uh, I, I myself was real spooked, and I watched this, um, while, uh, at my job where I work, um, and I... Was I felt like my teeth were sweating during the the scene in there where they're showing what actually happened in the house. Whoa. Oh, oh boy! And honestly, this is gonna be the the rudest thing I've said about this movie that I really loved. It kind of reminded me of Rose Red a little bit, that Stephen King miniseries. Quincy, did you ever watch Rose Red? I did not. Yeah, sort of uh, Edwardian hijinks and bad husbands. Um, no. Which I feel like that. You know those husbands. Yeah. You know, listen, if you're an Edwardian husband, you're a son of a bitch, and you'll never come to any good. Uh, and yeah, like this movie, it's um, so Shirley Jackson's Jackson is hell, even down to the dialogue and the narration, um, and also the the main actor uh, in this movie. Um, have either of y'all watched Luther? Uh, I've watched like an episode, mm-hmm. she, but I did. I do know that she is in Luther. Oh, she she kills it on Luther, and she and it was it was weird because she plays a really scary, uh, impressive um, sociopath on Luther, and it was weird to watch that actor in a different role. It's like 
um, watching Scream 2 after you've watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and you watch Sarah Michelle Gellar getting terrorized by some asshole with a knife, and you're like, Buffy, fucking spin kick this guy. What the fuck are you doing? Um, which was watching her in uh, I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in This House. Um, the Honestly, the ending gave me IRL goosebump chills. Oh, so scary! When it's I'm the pretty thing that you're looking at, like, I... Yeah, it... You know, honestly, it's so... Uh, because I'm um, a grizzled, crusty horror goblin, and it's really fucking great to watch a thing that legitimately spooks the shit out of me. Like, to know that I can still have that response to a thing. I uh, had... Uh, I, I tweeted a little bit uh, while I was watching this movie because I was like, well, I'm technically alone, but I want to feel like maybe the internet will keep me from dying of ghosts. Oh, that's a mistake. Um... And a friend of mine saw that I was tweeting about it and contacted me and was like, pay attention. And I was like, well, fucking, okay, fine. But, you know, as soon as someone says that to you, you're like, oh, maybe there's clues that I should watch. Mm. So I actually watched very closely. And there were all these tiny things that just scared the shit out of me. Like the fucking, in the kitchen, there's a chair that's upside down on the wall all the time. Why? I don't know. Ghosts, probably. Yeah, probably yeah. probs ghosts. Terrifying shit. And then, like, in the drawer that opens, there's this, like, leather leash in there. No. Why? I don't know. Scary reasons, I'm gonna <laughs> assume. All of it fucking scary. Scared the shit out of me. I have such little, like, I want to do, like, a deep literary analysis of this film because I feel like there are gorgeous literary themes. The symbolism is beautiful. The writing is gorgeous. Oh, it's so good. The voiceover monologue is, like, prose poetry that is stunning, right? Um, I am as white as bone. Oh. Or, no, I, I'm as white as a sail. Oh, there? Oh, Jesus. And the windows are as thin as bone. Like, ugh, it's beautiful. But also... I'm just like, it's scary. <laughs> so that's your that's your blurb for the movie is it it's scary. Yeah, it's scary. That's my summary yeah. of I am the pretty thing that lives in this house. Yeah, Quincy, what was what was your take on this? Like like at, at what so, at what point did you start to get into it and it was like, oh no, this is actually really good. So here's the thing, is I'm still sitting here going, it's just mainstream mumble gore, mm -hmm. and I can tell you five movies that you should watch. My, my Netflix, if you like this, you will also like, kicks in, and I'm like, oh, you like that movie? Let me tell you better movies. <laughs> I'm going to just say that I don't think I should watch any of those movies, because like I don't hydrate very well, and I can only handle so much profuse sweating. Um, yeah, yeah. And but like... I, I just like I gotta I gotta keep my electrolyte balanced. But like I was watching this and thinking, um, the House of the Devil does the same thing in a little bit of a different way, but a way that I found was a lot more stimulating. And I don't know if that's because I watched it in the day with the windows open, so I couldn't see shit on my screen. That'll do you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was just reflecting, and the cinematography. I'm like, yeah, I can't see shit. Or um, if it's because, you know, I was too busy being cool and saying I like Mumblegore before Mumblegore was <laughs> the hot thing or what. Because, like, a year ago, two years ago, before doing this podcast, I worry this might have been, like, my new favorite movie. And now mm -hmm. I'm like, it doesn't have... Uh, vampire puppets so I'm and it's not for it's not a South Asian movie with vampire puppets so I'm not that impressed right. Quincy in this movie I feel like the real vampire puppets 
are the friends you make along the way. <laughs> right, right. It's Edwardian ghosts, you know. It's uh, people who handle the estate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the real vampire puppets were inside you the whole time. Yeah. Although, on, honestly, uh, Quincy, for me, I would put this... Ab- I think this... I would put this above House of the Devil. I would put this above the Innkeepers. Like, I feel like this movie does what the Innkeepers wants to do, and it's... I don't know. Like, the Innkeepers, I... I do not care for Ty West, um, but I feel like this is the kind of movie Ty West wants to make. So I I have a this isn't a spicy take. I'm gonna say this is like like a white white person spicy mm-hmm. level of take in terms of spice. Um, as a person who was scared out of my skin by this movie mm-hmm. and who doesn't watch a lot of heart. I was trying desperately to find an excuse to watch it again. Um, I watched it before Ryan did, and Ryan was like, oh, I'm going to watch it later. And I was like, what if we watch it at the same time? <laughs> so that, you know, for reasons, and, like, logistically that didn't work out, and I was legitimately very disappointed. From a literary horror perspective, I was deeply impressed and inspired and humbled. Uh, I want my books... To do the things that this movie did and that has you know fuck all to do with like like film horror mm-hmm. like this might be extremely shitty from a film horror perspective but from a literary horror perspective i kept on wanting to take notes but i was sweating too profusely to hold a pen <laughs> shit that i think you're onto something there i think it really does that's the thing is it's like it's and i'm not a big ghost fan anyway i'm more of a um home invasion fan like mm-hmm. the thing that Do really fucks me up more? Is... <laughs> yeah it's to me more yeah it's that's the problem is like unchained melody it comes on and he just immediately mm-hmm. yeah pieces out but like of all the things that like scare me um ghosts are low on the list mm-hmm. but you know it i think the more we talk about it i i cannot deny the craft put into this movie and it's also directed by oz perkins oh yeah who 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 to thunk Oz Perkins would be making some of the best uh, movies out there uh, from his humble beginnings in Dead and Breakfast, which is the best musical zombie movie ever made. That, which, by the way, Quincy, we need to single-handedly raise the profile of Dead and Breakfast and get more people to watch that movie so that it goes back into circulation on Blu-ray. I'm trying. The Dead and Breakfast. <laughs> every time someone says, what should be on Blu-ray? I say Dead and Breakfast. Yeah, because it's got David Carradine and it's got Diedrich Bader. Oh, I bet that's so why it's not, is because of the Carradine uh, runs. Uh, yeah. You need to get the Dead and Breakfast Tumblr fandom amped up. I We need to write Dead and Breakfast fanfic. Ryan, I we feel like you do, just want to write fanfic. Um, yeah, yeah, that's what, yeah. We need to do Pastel Guru Dead and Breakfast fan art. <laughs> Fucking Pastel Guru. I, I love that, that the Venn diagram of people who want to see Pastel Guru is an audience of literally us. Um, <laughs> that's, it's... It's hard to it's hard to get over on a mainstream. Um, so if we're looking, it, uh, tangent Pastel Guru is troublingly uh, self harmy. Like most of it is people that are really into self harm, and that is a, a bad thing about it. Yeah, it's I, I usually don't. Well, I find myself I usually don't look at a lot of uh, Pastel Guru, but also Pastel Guru for those for those listening who might not know what that is, it's like Japanese gore art, but also they're in pastel colors, so it's like shitty easter it's like a 
really yeah, bad Easter. Day glow decapitated Easter bunnies. Yeah, it's it's a it's a whole thing. Um, so if we're looking on the list about where we would want to put, um, I am the pretty thing that lives in this house, Sarah. Uh, if if you're looking at the list, where would you want to start? So I mean, for all of the disability representation issues in Shape of Water and Pan's Labyrinth, mm -hmm. I do think that they are fantastic. And that I would put I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in This House after them. Uh, Alright, so I have seen Nightmare on Elm Street, and I have seen The Lost Boys, and I have seen What We Do in the Shadows, and I have seen Shaun of the Dead. And I think it's like between Shaun of the Dead and Lost Boys for me. But I haven't seen Dream Warriors, so I'm not gonna... Also, I don't want Ryan to punch me directly in the mouth, so I'm not going to presume to speak on a comparison. No, I would mostly just make a sort of tropical bird squawk and go, but Dream Warriors! Um, Which is a valid point, you know? But right. Dream Warriors, who among us hasn't but, engaged in that uh, but, genre of rhetoric? But Dream Warriors. Let me ask you this. Yeah. What is the better Paula Prentice movie? This movie or The Step for Ooh, Wives? Ooh, okay, wait. I, if we're going between those two, I would want to go with The Stepford Wives, but maybe I'm just really, really high on um, I'm the Pretty Thing That Lives in This House because I just watched it. So I want to give the edge to that, but I also don't want to drop American Psycho farther down the list because it breaks Christina's goddamn heart every time we drop American Psycho. Okay, so I, I will say for American Psycho, I have not seen it, but I know a thing about it. And the thing that I know, which mm -hmm. I'm sure that y'all already are aware of, mm -hmm. is that... Um, Christian Bale's performance was directly inspired by Tom Cruise mm -hmm. for American Psycho. Yep. Um, am I telling you shit that you are, have already discussed and are aware of? No, that is fascinating. So, all right, so Christian Bale was having, like, a really hard time getting a handle on his character and how to make his character properly terrifying. And then apparently he saw a photo of Tom Cruise at an award ceremony and said, oh, that's what I want. <laughs> that smile with those dead eyes. And he brought that photo to his director, and he said, what about this? And his director was like, yes. <laughs> and that is what he based his fucking character in American Psycho on. Well, that's beautiful. That's the thing that I know about American Psycho. Uh, it is one of many movies that I need to watch. Yeah. But I do think that, you know, that's important. I think so, too. Um, Dig, if you will, a picture. Mm -hmm. uh, Phantasm is number 55. Right. And under Phantasm is Ginger Snaps and Audition, and I would argue that those are better movies. You know what? Actually, between Ginger Snaps and I Am the Pretty Thing That Lives in This House, I oof, I almost wonder if I would give the edge to Ginger Snaps just because I've seen it so many more times. Well, Ginger Snaps depicts teen girls, teen girl sisters actually navigating um, high school while also being werewolves. Right. Okay, I mean, that is pretty fucking great. It's good. It's good. Catherine Isabel is there. Um, I, okay, alright. Gun to my head, I do think this is better than Phantasm because I think it makes any kind of sense and I can follow it. Uh, and I love Phantasm. And there hasn't been a second movie to retcon <laughs> the entire movie. Yeah, there hasn't been I am also the, the pretty thing that lives in this house that goes, yeah, well, that was a bad dream sequence. Here's, here's what is happening. Um, but both function on a weird dream logic. They do. There's a surreal like logic to both of them that works. Um, I okay. All right. All right. So if I had to pick, I would say I am the pretty thing that lives in this house. I am. I will be goddamned if I put it below Funny Games. Um, but I don't know that it's better than MFA. 
Um, I would say it's better than MFA, okay. but it's it's kind of t- troubling because MFA is like has a really good thing to say. Yeah, and it's 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 doing something new and interesting in horror. Um, which not that I'm the pretty thing that listen. A visionary was like, what if we did a very Shirley Jackson inspired gothic horror film, and God fucking bless them for doing that. Uh, I'm gonna be a dweebazoid Please. for a, a second and say that I think I am the pretty thing that lives in this house is saying something really gorgeous about the mechanisms of death in polite society. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of is this film saying something, I think it's saying something really beautiful about the way that the attempts we make to sanitize death ultimately fail uh, and also lead us into a sense of isolation in our own mortality. I think Kate, Caitlin Doty would agree. Like, that's, yeah. Just discomfort with death and the need to sort of look away from it and be polite. Leads to you so, hiding bodies in walls. Yeah. With that being said, it's better than Mask of the Red Death, uh, but is it better than Roseanne's Halloween specials? <laughs> I, I'm partial to Roseanne's Halloween specials, but also, you know what? With the recent news cycle and Roseanne showing her whole ass, I I feel like she should take a penalty on that. Okay, so here's what I'm going to do. Entrance is number 40, which is, like, the platonic ideal of mumblegore. Mm -hmm. Um, I think we could put this... Oh, shit. Mulholland Drive is below that. I don't feel like this movie's better than Mulholland Drive. I think this movie's better than Mulholland Drive. Because this movie raises questions that you can coherently answer, where Mulholland Drive <laughs> raises questions that just lead you to, like, curl in on yourself like a fern frond. <laughs> like, you just want to... You want to make yourself small enough to avoid the answers, because mm-hmm. they can't be... Uh, interpreted by the human mind. Right. Where, like, I've had coherent conversations with people about, like, what do you think is the deal with this motion picture? And they're like, oh, here's what I think about the plot that all happens in an order. (laughs) (laughs) And then, yeah, and then Mulholland Drive is just like, I fucked if I know. Yeah, Mulholland Drive is the current political climate embodied in terms of the depth of all right, I guess this is happening, and I don't understand most of why, and when I do understand why, I want to walk into the sea. <laughs> yeah, just instant instant death. Um, so, I would say 41, right below entrance and right above Prevenge. Um, am I the minority that's actually seen entrance? Uh, I have not seen entrance. It's so fucking good. I'm... It's it's great because it parodies the mumblecore film in the like, oh you can't understand anyone talking and oh how quirky that she's she's all alone and it looks like it's low budget and then you realize that's because the movie is shot from the perspective of her stalker so it's not low budget it's literally a guy with a camcorder following a girl around L.A. Yeah. Yikes. Well that that's that I tell you what I don't I don't I don't care for that shit one bit. I feel yeah, like it's I, horrifying. I feel like uh, one of the only times that I'll be like, "Nah, technology," and I'll be like, "Old man yells at cloud," is the way that having video capability on cell phones has really impacted the camcorder industry. <laughs> I right. feel like there was a lot of good shit happening with like spooky movies and camcorders. 
mm-hmm. back in my day, and kids these days, they can take video anytime they want on a computer in their pocket, and you can't tell that it was creepy. <laughs> Any Tom, Dick, and Harry can make a found footage horror movie yeah, now. Yeah, and you're like, oh, am I going to watch a Vine compilation, or am I going to watch a snuff film, and you never fucking know. But if it's a camcorder <laughs> film, you know. It's either going to be a kid learning how to walk, or it's going to be a nice young girl getting murdered horribly. In a, in a room, and yeah. it's bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Coming for you, cell phone footage. Yeah. So with that, number 41, uh, with your permission, uh, is I am the pretty thing that lives in the house. Yeah. Yeah. You feel good about that? I'm for it. All right. All right. Good. Good. Wow. 41 is pretty good. Yeah. So, Sarah, where can our listeners uh, find you around the, the, the internet and such. Uh, I am on the internet. It actually is not just for geeks with spreadsheets these days. Um, I am primarily on Twitter. I'm also on other social media websites, and everywhere that I am, my handle is Gailyfrey. That's G-A-I-L-E-Y-F-R-E-Y. Yes, to the heterosexual white men who are very excited to tell me this, it is a Doctor Who reference. Did you know that the Galif is it's Gallifrey? Oh, is that like Doctor Who? Oh. Have you ever watched that? Who's your favorite Doctor? <laughs> Immediately. Yeah. Um, that's where I am on the internet. I'm mostly on Twitter. Um, you can also find me on Tumblr and Instagram. Uh, I neglect them very much. <laughs> oh, and uh, my website is uh, sarahgailey.com that's Sarah with an H and Gailey, like my last name. And I have got stuff on there about books that I have coming out. And there's a, a, an email contact form where you can tell me how great I am and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And uh, also my newsletters that you can sign up for, which are awesome. Yeah. Uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Our listeners can send us listener requests. Um, get our mailing addresses to send us deathmatch wrestling tapes um, and coffee and all that Uh, they can reach out to us at uh, rankandvilecast at gmail.com or they can tweet us rankandvilecast on twitter we have an instagram at rankandvile we have a tumblr uh, which is also rankandvile.tumblr.com there's an ask box there for uh, listener requests I uh, check it embarrassingly frequently to see if there's more so uh, <laughs> yeah throw your boy um, up also this week we have a sponsor um, at horror retro caps on instagram makes these really cool trucker hats with VHS uh, logos like wizard video and um, rats night of terror which is a thing that most people uh don't remember but the fact that you can get a $20 hat with a rat with a machine gun on it is really great right um, why waltz when you can rock and roll exactly right so if you go to at horror retro caps on instagram and you dm them rank and vile 10 uh they'll throw a discount your way for being a fan of us yeah fuck uh, yeah so they're really cool for doing that thanks guys um but i believe that's all i've got you got anything else um, make sure you go read American Hippo by Sarah Gailey. It made me want to kiss a hippo, which was my <laughs> um, awakening of some sort. <laughs> Kiefer Sutherland is actually the hippo of people, I think. 
You, you see him with that. With That's that, 100 percent true. Yeah, you see him with that blonde mullet, and you think, yeah. Listen, I know hippos are just sweet little babies, and they're just like dogs. They're just very large. Yeah, just large, meaty dogs that are also key for Sutherland. Uh, all right, I think that's all I got. Have a good week, folks.